Welcome to the Curiosity Conversation. Today we're speaking to Sophie Gerrard, who's an award-winning international artist who's worked within the field of photography for 14 years. Her practice is characterised by sensitive and evocative visual explorations of the natural environment and our relationship to it. Sophie has created a series of photographs depicting the flow country peatlands in the north of Scotland, which are featured in the latest exhibition at the Wardlaw Museum. Today's episode is entitled The Flows. Sophie, hello, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, very pleased to be here. You've created this fantastic body of work depicting uh, peatlands in the flow country and uh, the people who work on peatlands. For most of us, I think peatlands look fairly uninspiring and they just look like bogs. Why have you decided to, to photograph these peatlands? So... I agree. I think for a lot of people at first sight, peatlands do look very uh, nothingy. They get a bit of a bad press, don't they? They're uh, considered to be empty and dull and bleak. And those are the words that we use. I used to be taken on holiday uh, from Edinburgh by my parents when I was younger. And we would drive to the very far north of Scotland and we would drive across the flow country, which is the largest expanse of blanket bog in Europe, I think. And we would drive across this empty landscape and my parents would talk about how eerie it was and how bleak it was and how nothingy it was. And that's what I really remember. And we were visiting friends on the far north on Dunnett Head. And it was a few years ago I was commissioned um, by a magazine to photograph a company that was working on the far north coast. And I made that journey and it really reminded me of those childhood journeys. And I just thought it was stunning. I, th- I think maybe as a photographer... We're, we're drawn to these kind of edge lands, these edges of interest, maybe not the most obvious view, not the picturesque, right? Not the kind of the pretty tourist view of a place, perhaps. And uh, and I just, I remembered the flow country. I remembered driving, being driven through it as a kid. And I really thought, you know, what's going on here? What is this landscape? Why is it important, maybe? And I and I learned during that time, I also did a bit of research and, and was, was told that one of the largest kind of environmental protection programmes or conservation programmes in the UK, certainly in Scotland, was happening there. And that was the conservation and re, reconstruction almost of the, the peatlands from when they'd been damaged back in the 80s and over time. And we were kind of putting them back together again. And I just thought, well, there's a story. There's a beautiful landscape. It's a, a perfect project for me, really. And they, they really are beautiful as well. I mean, as I said, we, we think of these things as being bleak, but your photographs show these vast landscapes with beautiful lighting, beautiful natural lighting, the, the sun shining over them. They're just fantastic and, and give a, a, a bit of a different perspective from the, the what is perhaps a, a tired old uh, uh, stereotype. I think so. I think once you start to spend time in a place as a photographer, um, you know, my ambition certainly is to find a way to explore it and communicate maybe that landscape or that place or those people in a way that leads an audience to perhaps ask a question or think twice or wonder what's going on. So part of my uh, exploration of the place and my research and my photography was 
walking around these places which had once been planted with Sitka spruce. So in the in the 80s, as you know, the government incentive at the time was to make these useless, in adverted commas, pieces of ground have a purpose, make them be purposeful, make them be productive. And that was deemed to be uh, the best thing that was was decided there was uh, to plant them with Sitka spruce to make conifer plantations and um, and there were tax incentives for super rich to kind of invest in these. So when I started exploring this landscape, I was walking across these either plantations which have been felled. Um, that's part of the conservation process to, to bring those trees down and to reflood the bog. Or I was walking over areas which had been felled decades ago and you could rarely even tell that there had been any plantation there at all. Other than when you start to look for the signs, you can see them, these slight geometric kind of patterns in the ground which don't quite look natural but really as someone explained to me during my time in the flow country a lot of what goes on in peatlands is underneath the surface what you've got is thousands of years of history and carbon being squashed and compressed and preserved in the sphagnum under the, the cap of the sphagnum mosses and under there is you know it's a historical kind of timeline there's memory there, there's amazing uh, biodiversity there, and there's also a real story, I think, there. So my aim as a photographer was partly to kind of photograph from walking level or, or slightly higher than eye level to get an, an idea maybe of the scale of the place, but also to try and talk about what was happening underneath it, which in photography is quite difficult. Um, <laughs> But I, I started using a large format camera to document and photograph cuttings into the peat, which started to show some of the depth, some of the scale, and really start to kind of zoom in a little bit on um, all of the activity and beautiful micro kind of scale of uh, of the peatlands and the, and the mosses. And I think what you're alluding to there, Sophie, is just that these landscapes can be so inspiring for art and artists really from these sort of like big vast landscapes that hold so many secrets to even when you see the like bits of pollen that have been stored under the surface for 40,000 years you you it just gives you a totally new perspective on the world they're really quite interesting spaces aren't they yeah i think so and for me my first kind of interest was visual and then it was one of my memory right so it was quite personal and then you know I was quite naive I have got an environmental training you know I did study environmental science at university before I became a photographer and so I knew about carbon capture and I knew about plantations of non-native species but I didn't you know we'd always we've always been told that trees are a good thing but actually it's got to be the right trees in the right places okay so I I wasn't educated and I don't think many people are, that the wrong kind of tree really drying up and killing the bog is worse for our environment and our mitigating climate change than felling those trees and letting the bog do the carbon capture. I think, you know, to go into some of our, our numbers and statistics here, peatlands hold almost 30% of all terrestrial carbon, and that's twice as much as all of the world's forests. So as a resource, it's incredibly valuable. It's incredibly efficient. Another thing to remember is like trees only hold carbon for as long as the tree is alive. And that's something that I'd never really thought of. The bog 
is constantly holding that carbon in there. And it's only when it's disturbed or drained or cut that that carbon is released. And if we can prevent that happening, then then we should. But yeah, in terms of of then what the landscape starts to mean, I find it almost surreal or it's kind of you get into those timelines of thousands of years and my mind gets a little bit blown, to be honest, because there are tree remnants sticking out of parts of the, the flow country at Forsenard, which are thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. And that's remarkable. So as a place for metaphor, I find it really hugely full of potential. First of all, just me walking on this landscape was quite an extraordinary thing to do. Days and days and days out there with a large format camera by myself, not maybe see someone for the whole day. This huge landscape that just seemed so enormous, massive skies. You could really hear the wildlife, the call of the birds and uh, the noise through the, the trees squelching through the bog it was just it was incredibly kind of evocative and at times quite a spooky sort of experience and then when I would speak to the people who lived there and who were working there and who'd spent a lot of time there the relationship they have with that landscape is permanent and personal and it's full of memory and I really like the potential of uncovering some of the layers of that physical geographical landscape but also some of the layers of those memories and that metaphorical kind of relationship we have and that is where the project for me is kind of trying to to move into next. I think that's the thing and you know the exhibition at the Wardlaw where your work is featured really prominently for Peatland's sake the idea is to sort of look at the similarities and the differences in Peatland's in the Peruvian Amazon and in Scotland. And one of the things that comes across so clearly in both countries is this real cultural importance of peatlands and the communities of people, the traditions and the intangible cultural heritage really that that exists around these environments in both countries. And like you say, Sophie, you obviously worked quite closely with people who are living by the land every day. And I wonder how did speaking to these people shape that work? I think that's a really good question and it's a really interesting direction for me now and what I loved about seeing so my body of work is called The Flows and what I loved about seeing that body of work in the Peatland's Sake Museum exhibition at the Wardlaw is seeing these images of Scotland literally right next to these rainforest images from Peru and you just think well what's in common here they don't look the same there's a completely different climate it couldn't be more different in lots of ways but then what I really loved was reading and, and, and looking at the displays which talked about cultural heritage and our relationship with the landscape and these myths and legends maybe and relationships that people had with their landscape whether that was the other side of the world or up the road in Scotland and I think that's where these real kind of similarities lie and um really interesting areas to explore. So for me, I, I started off with photographing the landscape. That was my priority at the beginning. But essentially, I'm, I'm always the kind of photographer who likes to speak to people and find out a little bit more about people's opinions and people's lives. So I couldn't really not include people in the project. And I've been working quite closely with the RSPB, who had facilitated me having access to the peatlands. And they took me out on the reserve 
So I started off by photographing the RSPB uh, conservation volunteers, the wardens, the people that were running various projects up there. And that was really helpful, but they filled in all the facts for me. You know, my education of that place became quite comprehensive and intense. I also met scientists from all over the world. Forsenard and the Flow Country is a, a zeitgeist place for peatland conservation globally. And so you would meet these uh, revered um, scientists who would be coming in from all over the world to either continue their conversations or their studies on peatlands. And so I would I would get quite intense kind of education from these people as well. So I felt that their voices had to be included. But now the work is still ongoing. And, and for me now, the next focus, the kind of work in progress part, is I really want to focus more on those who live there because their relationship to the peatlands is different. It's not about conservation or science or whatever. It's about what's out in your back garden. Where did your granny used to live? Where did you used to go and cut your peats for your fire when you were young? Where did you graze your animals? Where were there plantations that sheltered your house from the weather? All this kind of stuff, you know, it's about their their daily lives. And I think that is a really important part of the story. And it's quite a delicate balance sometimes for new science, I suppose, to come in and be very careful not to intrude too much on people's lives or to dominate the conversation. So what's really lovely about the flow country is there's a lot of work being done and has been done already between capturing stories about the peat and the peatlands and what it means to people. And I'm really keen to include that in my work. And I think portraiture is probably the most likely way of doing that. Um, but maybe with some recorded voices as well. And what were some of the things you discovered about these relationships with with the peatlands and with the land that are different to, to how we might think of, of those kind of relationships? Well, I think it's a very familiar landscape to people, right? It's, it's where they live. They've walked around that part of the world generations. A lot of the people who live in Strathalladale, which is the, the strath that follows the river that I was working on, are quite local people and they've they've been there for many generations so it's very normal it's like well the school was kind of five miles walk that way or we would all gather using the common grazing land so we we would all gather the sheep together we'd gather the animals together and that kind of thing would take place and it, it all of it involved walking for hours and hours and hours across these vast landscapes which seemingly look like they've got no paths and no direction it truly is a wild landscape there aren't many roads there aren't many paths there there certainly aren't any metal paths through it there are you know there are metal roads now because the the logging industry is is there but really it's a very wild place and I think the sense of openness was I don't know it's, it's familiar to all of them it's a tricky one because I feel like there's a lot more to explore for me, I want to try and get these older voices as soon as I can because I realize and recognize now that they are the ones that are maybe going to have more relationship with it. Because actually when I meet and speak to the younger people, they've maybe moved there, the families moved there 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And they've got less of a long-standing relationship with the area in a way. And I did meet a lot of incomers actually. I met a lot of people from England, a lot of people from various European countries. And they've moved there because they're drawn to the landscape or the very far north of Scotland where they're drawn to the power of the sea and that, that coastal landscape. And it was something maybe that I need to get more of, I think, that's missing for me, is 
these people that have got this long standing generational relationship with the land. But certainly when I read through so many testimonies that we've already gathered, it's just these ordinary stories of farming, forestry, fishing, everyday life, trampling across this wet bogland to get to a wedding, to get to a funeral, to get to church, to get to school. And it just sounds hellish. (laughs) So I've got so much respect, you know, but maybe it's patronising of me as a kind of lowlander to, to think that sounds hard work. I don't know. I need to look into it more. Robbie, the youngest guy I got, I think he was 15 and he was there as a conservation volunteer. So again, working with the RSPB, involved with that science and conservation element of the peatlands, not not going there from a kind of personal point of view or relationship to that area necessarily. But he was incredible. Like as a young person, I interviewed him and he talked about he could be a politician, he could be an environmental politician. He he had so much to say about the protection of landscape and of carbon and climate change. And he was so clued up. And I think he's quite young to ha- to hold those views. And it really did stru- strike me that that generation, climate change is such a priority. And peatlands in Scotland, they're our rainforests, right? That's how they were described to me. They're our rainforests. And we need to be proud of them and we need to protect them. And I think what we don't understand maybe, because it's very difficult to get a global view, is that Scotland is home to a vast amount of peatland as a global kind of resource. We have a lot of it here. And if we can be as proud of that as as maybe Latin American countries are of their rainforests and work really hard to protect it, then that's the future. And it was people like Robbie who really made that super clear and talked with such kind of genuine passion that you just thought, wow, this is really exciting. The future of environmental protection is in is in good hands. But equally, people like Sandra Train, who who's lived there all her life and was a teacher, you know, her story was about her dad and his friends working the landscape or coming home to that part of Scotland and what it meant to her or how much the landscape has changed with the plantation kind of coming and then going. And so her story is very much an evocative one of of memory and identity. And so I think it's really important. And for me, that's why the project's unfinished, because I want more of these voices to sit side by side. And another person that I photographed and spent quite a lot of time with was Heather. And she's a farmer. Her family farm up in Melvick, near Melvick, which is near the top of the Strath, which comes right up to the north coast. And she's kind of learning how contemporary farming techniques can be undertaken in that area alongside the sensitivities of conservation techniques, where, as we know, those can be quite often conflicting viewpoints. Um, And I think, again, it's that generation of people in their 20s and 30s who are going to be a huge part of the future of how we manage our land, right? And how we keep it going for the future and how we increase its biodiversity and keep doing it in the best we can and employ sensitive, you know, environmentally sensitive farming methods, which are constructive in terms of production for the farm, but also safe for the environment. And it was really interesting talking with her because she was all about kind of listening to to how you could make those methods really work 
in a, in a place like that, which maybe from a traditional point of view isn't how people have done things. And I think what is really interesting there is it alludes to something that is seems to be absolutely true of Peruvian peatlands as well, in that small scale subsistence use of peatlands by communities who have lived there for generations, like you say, some of these people in the flow country have, that's not what threatens our peatlands really. It's this large scale plantation of Sitka spruce. It's that sort of thing that is what really has the potential to damage our peatlands. So I guess it is, it's about working sensitively with the community who lives there and work, working out together, a bit like you say with, with Heather and those farming methods and conservation methods. It's that conversation to, to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely agree with you. And I think that often when I tell people I'm doing projects about peatlands, they they would say, well, is it not OK for people to go out and cut the peats and burn it as fuel? It's like, yeah, that's fine. You are a drop in the ocean if that's how you heat your home and that's how your family have done it for generations. And you have your I think every family home there actually has its own piece of peatland where they're allowed to go and cut the peat every every year. Yeah, that use is not what we're talking about in terms of damage. We're talking about huge industrial scale damage and disturbing of these carbon sinks. So either through massive industrial development for, say, controversially, a wind farm where you're digging into deep peat to put in wind turbines and you are damaging and disturbing huge amounts, uh, releasing huge amounts of carbon. That's one way. Another way was the plantation of the Sitka spruce, which drained the bog, killed it and um, stopped it being a carbon sink. So that is being rectified and has huge input from the Scottish government here. You know, that's a massive project, a huge priority for them. Then you've also got things like industrial extraction of peat for maybe compost or for gardening. Again, that is unnecessary and we don't need it. And where that's happening, I guess the, the aim is, is to prevent it, this unnecessary extraction. So it's definitely not the kind of the small guy doing his subsistence farming or his um, or her extracting the peat for their own kind of heating requirements. But I think the message to get that across lies in what you do, really, like through outreach, right? So you work with local schools, you work with local communities, you try and change the narrative there to one of protection and pride and identity and all these things, the wildlife, the biodiversity, everything. And that is what's happening in the flow country, that through the work of the RSBB and all of their partners and all of the kind of outreach work, that's being done to adults as well as children is is to really kind of let people know like these are your these are your rainforest equivalents be proud of them protect them let's all work together type thing because if we dismiss them as there being nothing or a bleak and empty landscape then it's very difficult for people to take pride in that I think. What's really interesting talking to you Sophie is that these are beautiful photographs but they're not just beautiful photographs there's a great deal of research and thinking that's gone into the production of of these and and there's a message behind them and it would be really really interesting to hear a bit more about what exactly you want that message to be and and maybe a bit about how you've constructed that message through the photographs themselves. Yeah it's it's interesting isn't it because I started making the work in 2019 and I was photographing them up until 21 and then I've been photographing peatlands elsewhere when Covid 
prevented me from traveling up the length of the country I was continuing it working you know nearer to where I live I guess it is that curiosity that I have to start the, the project in the first place as a photographer which as I say is this kind of slightly unusual landscape which isn't one that a lot of people know about isn't one which is immediately aesthetic and it covers a huge section of Scotland I mean part of my motivation for lots of projects is curiosity it's like I want to spend time in this interesting strange place let's let's make sure there's a project there then visually the visual language that I've chosen is this large scale photography so using a field camera plate camera which has got a 5.4 negative size to emphasize the scale and the vastness and the expanse of it all because it is an absolutely ginormous um, area which I don't even I don't think I've got the numbers to hand of how big the flow country is but I do know that it's being considered to be a world heritage site which by UNESCO which is quite unusual for a natural landscape so I wanted to kind of capture the the epic nature of it using large-scale photography for me the message I suppose is just like this is an important place it's to highlight the importance of it not as a beautiful pretty set of pictures but for me really interesting landscape photography and engaging landscape photography asks questions and it prompts the viewer to ask questions and I think the questions would be along the lines of just because you know something maybe doesn't look particularly uh, dynamic or interesting do find out more about why this place is interesting and why it is important so do do have respect for these vast unique landscapes which are being destroyed all over the world I mean Ireland is losing its peat bogs at a very fast rate. There's, there's destruction in so many places. So do understand that they're important and do understand that they can be beautiful. Do understand that they're yours as well, that you can take ownership of them and, and visit them and, and be part of that story. And there can be this maybe romantic narrative around the landscape in Scotland, which was generated kind of from a for Victorian time of the Heather Moorland being this perfect untouched wilderness it's not true you know the heather moorland is something that was created for game shooting and all this kind of thing peatland bog has been there for thousands of years and is our original one of our absolutely authentic original landscapes in scotland and it's one that is under threat and does need to be protected so i think any kind of project that can be made around it is just a really important thing and the more you look for this the more it just appears everywhere it's a major part of Scottish government prioritism at the moment as I say and yeah it's just everywhere you start to realize there's peat bogs everywhere dotted around all over the place as you know you know there's like there's one up the road here called Red Moss which isn't blanket bog it's raised bog it's a smaller site but what is brilliant about it is it's very near to Edinburgh it's in the Pentland Hills it's somewhere that school kids can go to really easily and it's all kind of building on the education of what a peatland is and why it's important. So I just want to contribute to that to that narrative, really, and be part of that conversation. I guess what's really great, Sophie, is that you're as much interested in what, what the outcomes for people and for the landscape are from your work, which is which is basically what we're trying to do as part of this exhibition. So the exhibition has basically asks of the visitor at the end it suggests you know different ways that people can can sort of get involved to protect peatlands what's your hope people's behavior or attitudes or values as they as they leave this exhibition having seen your work I think as I said it is about knowing about it and I feel like you know I've got friends in Thurso and up on the far north who the flow country is is their back garden it's, it's their familiar place 
but there isn't a sense of its global significance or there wasn't until quite recently. And I think understanding and respecting and then feeling pride in this landscape that is globally rare, that exists here and that is more interesting maybe than than we realise through artworks, through poetry, through all sorts of different kind of mediums, people can learn and can become interested in or knowledgeable about something that they didn't know about. So I've seen lots of works by various artists about peatlands that have been beautiful. There's an artist, Hannah Imlach, who makes beautiful sculptures, which talk to the kind of the wildlife there, but also the expanse. And they mirror almost some of the monitoring, scientific monitoring equipment, but they're beautiful. They're they're very tactile, um, dynamic, moving pieces, which blow in the wind and all this kind of thing. And then there's sound artists who have you know lowered microphones down into the bogs and are listening to those kind of those those beautiful sounds which are very evocative which I know you've got in the exhibition as well there's also musicians working with old archive oral histories and making music from that there's so much richness I think there's so much potential there's so much going on that actually all of these narratives and all of these stories come together and and just like if someone can say, oh, I didn't know about that or I'd never thought about that, then that's, you know, if one person can say that, then that's that's something that's been an achievement. I think as photographers, we all we all like to tell stories and we all like to follow our nose. Unfortunately, Sophie, we're coming to the end of our time. Obviously, if people want to see your work, they can come on down to the to the World Law Museum. They can also pop into St. Savitas Quad in St. Andrews, where where some of your images are nice and big on the on the walls there. Um, where else can people go to find out more about, about you and see some more of your work? Well, um, I have a website which isn't updated probably as often as it should be, but that is uh, sophiegerard.com. I'm also part of a photography collective called Document Scotland, and we are, at the moment, we are three photographers. We have been four and five, and uh, we're working together. My colleagues are Colin McPherson and Jeremy Sutton-Hibbert, and together we are a collective, as I say, called Document Scotland. So you can go to documentscotland.com, and that's where you'll find blogs, some podcasts, and various uh, pieces about the Flows project and it's different kind of exhibitions so it's been shown at Perth Museum and it's also been shown at the Martin Parr Foundation in Bristol so there's a few pieces about it there Um, you can also join us as a Patreon uh, scheme that we run there to to hear various kind of podcasts and, and different behind the scenes bits of information about what Document Scotland do. The work has been acquired by St Andrew's Special Collections. I'm delighted about that. That's a real highlight for me career-wise. So thank you. <laughs> and uh, and it will, you know, it's part of the collection now, hence why it can be shown in the, um, the Peatland Sake exhibition. And hopefully it can be, uh, be shown in various other contexts with St Andrew's. Social media, I have Twitter, I'm Sophie Gerard, and Instagram the same. Um, yeah, so keep an eye on But what I will say is, The Flows is a work in progress. It's continuing. St Andrew's Special Collections have acquired the first chapter, I would say. And what I really hope is that is an ongoing discussion and showcase between us. And I really look forward to continuing the body of work. I've been given some funding to work on it through Edinburgh Napier University. And also, I hope to work with a wonderful publisher called Another Place Press, run by Ian Sargent. And we're in discussions about the potential of a book project for The Flows. So that's something that I'm looking forward to.
Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much, Sophie, for coming along and speaking to us today. It's been a really, really fantastic conversation. And I just love the, the fact that art and photography have something totally different to bring to this this conversation about peatlands. So thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to discuss the work. I think it's always wonderful to reflect on work that you've done. There's been a few gaps now and um, makes me excited about getting on with it. And it's lovely to see it in context in the museums. Thank you for having me. I think what that's really made me think about, Matt, is the fact that there's so much that art can offer to science and and, you know, what we what we think of as being scientific topics. It's it's about how emotionally it connects us to lands and environments and that sort of thing. I think there's just there's so much scope there for for collaboration, I reckon. Yeah, and how something that can be can be beautiful, but also give you an incredibly important message at the same time. What a wonderful thing art, art and photography is then. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to check out Sophie Gerrard's work at the Wardlaw Museum in our exhibition For Peatland's Sake, which is on until the 7th of May. And her work can be viewed in the quad boards at St Salvatore's in St Andrews as well. And if you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on your favourite podcast platform. Join us next month when we will be with Christopher Schultz speaking all about the spirits of the swamps. The Curiosity Conversation is brought to you by the Museums of the University of St Andrews.